0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. There's a, a, a term in the computing world, and all the guys and ladies up at the back can tell you about this. When, uh, when your computer crashes, it has a fatal error. You get something that's called a BSOD. Anybody know what the BSOD... Andre's laughing back there. The BSOD, the blue screen of death. I think it's about time that we say for 2020, we recognize what's happening. This is the blue screen of death, and it's time to do a hard reset. It's time to do a hard reset on 2020. Now, when a BSOD happens, as many people will know, especially if it's the first time, and uh, and no offense, Andre, back there, but especially if it's a Microsoft product, That you don't just throw away the computer the first time you get a BSOD, right? It happens. Stuff happens. Maybe there's a virus that snuck in. Maybe you got too much stuff on the hard drive. Maybe the performance just needs to tune up. But you don't just get rid of it. You do need to do the hard reset. You do need to say, I recognize that there's a crash happening. I recognize that something is not operating the way that it's supposed to be. And we're just going to power everything down the hard way if we have to and then bring it back up. Maybe when you bring it back up, you have to run some antivirus software. Maybe you have to improve the performance. Maybe you do have to call an expert like my brother Andre back there who works for a company that shall remain nameless. (laughs) But they will help you out. And now if Andre tells you after the reboot has come back up that it's still broken, then burn it. If Andre can't fix it, nobody can. Just get rid of the thing. Now it's time to buy a new system. But what I want to do today is I want to I want to set up a reset for 2020. Let's do. We're going to do a hard reboot on 2020. We recognize this BSOD. And we're saying get the heck out of here. It's time to start everything new. Everything does need to be rebooted from now from time to time. It does need to be optimized, reevaluated, and uh, and removed if necessary. And that is something that I have learned during the pandemic. Uh, excuse me, pandemic and uh and covid and everything else that's going on is that things should be reevaluated things do need to be optimized maybe some things need to be removed like listening to certain news outlets or social media outlets or there's some things that are just just causing the viruses to somehow propagate more and more and more there's certain doors there's certain avenues where viruses just seem to sneak in very easily and we need to recognize those things. We need to remove them. But but also, there's, there's some things, there's some organizations, maybe a business, maybe a church, maybe your kid's school, maybe several other things that in the midst of all this COVID, it's actually highlighted some areas where... There was deficiencies. Maybe there were things that working, weren't working as well as they needed to be. I mean, any business right now that doesn't have some type of online presence or footprint is probably on the way out the door. Like, what this has shown us is that even in the midst of isolation, even in the midst of being secluded, even in the midst of your entire structure being shaken up, that there's opportunity for advancement. There's opportunity for growth. Here in church, we went into, we went into online mode when we had to. We, we weren't going to uh, just stop speaking. We weren't going to stop preaching the truth. We weren't going to stop ministering to people. We did it in a different format, and now we've come back together, so we have both. So we have the best of both worlds, and that's what we should be doing through this, is looking for areas, looking for ways where we can optimize our life. Our kids right now, they go to Awaken Academy. That never would have happened if not for COVID. They would have still been in the school that they were in. But we're thankful for a church that steps up and says, just because we didn't do it before doesn't mean we shouldn't do it now. Just because we did it one way before doesn't mean we have to keep doing it the same way. That we constantly need to be reinventing, rebooting, reoptimizing ourselves. And if it's true for the church, it's true for us. Can somebody say amen? amen. So the bottom line is right now for 2020, everything... Everything, somebody say everything. Everything Everything is getting a hard reset. Let's look at Revelation 21 5. It says this, and the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. So this is the good part. This is the good part. When you reset something, in the natural, on a computer, you don't always get to, to change how it's gonna work. You're just hitting that hard reset button and hoping for the best. You're hoping that whatever virus, whatever program, whatever glitch, whatever bug was going on will just somehow magically disappear. You know, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it, your computer does just need a, a bit of a, a restart to delete some old files, to get rid of the cache, to do whatever it needs to do to optimize itself. But, but for us, when we do our hard reset, we actually get to be more involved if we want to, if we choose to that you can choose to be more involved in your hard reset when you say, I'm powered down and I'm going to power back up, but I'm going to do things differently. I'm not going to use the same old operating system. I'm going to upgrade. I'm not going to allow those old files, those old systems to corrupt me anymore. I'm going to do something new. I'm going to walk in a way that's more efficient, that's more effective for my life, my family's life, my church, my business, whatever it is, and all of those things. It doesn't have to be just resetting one area, everything gets the hard reset, and we get to decide how much we want to change, how much we want to correct, how much we want to optimize that. When our, we're in our entitlement cure series right now, and we know that the cure for an entitlement is a, a spirit of gratitude, a spirit of thankfulness. If you're thankful for what you have, then, then you won't worry about being entitled about what you don't have. And we're having to have these discussions every day with our boys right now, eight and five. It's constantly about, hey, I wanted that cup. Or or how come it's not my turn to play the switch? Or like I wanna do this right now. And I'm like, you have an iPad. Who cares if your brother has a Switch? Be grateful for your iPad. If you don't like, if, you, if all you're doing is complaining about the Switch, then I'm going to take away your iPad. Now are you happy? No, nobody wins. The spirit of entitlement is, is, such a, uh, is such a pervasive little thing where you're constantly looking at the grass on the other person's lawn, right? You're always saying, oh, the grass is greener over there. And, and if you're constantly focused on somebody else, then you're not focused on what you do have. So we want to be thankful. We want to be grateful for what we do have. And in this message today, what I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna start looking at not just what we have right now, but I wanna look at what's happening after we do the reset. I want to I look at our future and say our future is going to be greater than our past. Like We want to make the decision that when we do this reset, as we're looking forward, we're already grateful for what's about to happen. We're already grateful for where God is leading us, where he's taking us, what he's going to do in our life. We need to be thankful for what God is about to do. And in this season of gratefulness, this is what I want to share with you today, that in this season of gratefulness, We need to have great expectations. We need to have great expectations about where we're going. We need to have great expectations about what God can do. We need to have great expectations for our church, for our family, for our kids, for our businesses. Whatever it is, when you do the reset, have great expectations about what's going to happen. Don't just hope, cross your fingers, pray that when you do the reset, the bugs are going to leave. No, speak it into existence. You declare what your reset is going to look like. You declare great expectations over your life. You declare that the word of God applies to you and that you can actually walk it out that you don't have to listen to rules and regulations that are double-minded that are hypocritical that don't make sense that that the leaders who enact them don't even they don't even they don't even uh walk by the same rules that they want us to that they they spit in the face of those rules because it it pleases them to do so because and it's almost so blatant right now with this latest order with the strip clubs like like would this have ever happened 20 years ago, 10 years ago? Like, have we really gotten to this place in a society when we can enact rules like this and expect the population to just go along with it, believe it? We've got to stand up. We've got to have greater expectations than what the world is showing us right now. We've got to have biblical expectations, biblical proportion expectations. And when we step into this new thing, We've gotta expect that God is in the middle. In Isaiah 42, nine, it said, "'Everything I prophesied has come true, "'and now I will prophesy again. "'I will tell you the future before it happens.'" The great expectations that you have should not be just based on your knowledge and your understanding. That is a starting point, that is helpful. God uses what he's planted on the inside of you to show you where you're going, what you're doing. But the expectations you have for your future need to have an X factor. They need to have a God factor attached to them that will, will uh, help you realize that, that what you can't see around the next corner, what you can't see in 2021, what you can't see in your future, God already knows it. God has already planned it out, and he has good expectations. He has good things for you, great things for you even. So we need to understand before, that we, can, before we can even have great expectations about our future, we need to understand who we are called to be, before you can have great expectations about your home, your family, your business, your church, whatever. You have to have an understanding of who God has called you to be. So, who are we? Who are we? In the in the natural definition, you can look at okay, uh, who am I? How do I see myself? You know, how do I see who I am, what I do, all of the things that make me, and and also how do other people see me? How do I see myself, and how do other people see me? What are are the expectations that I have for myself? What do we think that we're capable of? What do other people think that we're capable of? And these are all kind of natural explanations for for who we are. We can kind of go through this list, and it kind of defines for us, who, who am I? But the thing is, that God has something bigger for us than just a natural explanation of who we are. Ephesians 3.20 says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, but watch this, that is at work in us. His power that is at work in us. Who we are called to be is different than who we think we are. We have to recognize that God sees us in a different light than we see ourselves. God expects things out of us that we could never ask or imagine or dream for ourselves, but he's already laid out the pathwork for it. He knows the end from the beginning. He's already there at the future, so he's saying, I see you right here, even though you're still walking this way. If you can see what I see in you, then you're going to get there. You're going to get to where God has called you to be if you can see with his eyes yourself, your life, your world, in every area. We need to understand that heaven has a definition for our life. And and when we pray, like my wife did, that, that, uh, that... as We pray on earth as it is in heaven, that we actually can bring heaven down into our world, that you can pray Lord's, the Lord's prayer, his perfect prayer for your life, that you can pray heaven into your life. That, that maybe your life is stuck in the natural right now. Maybe you're, you're walking through struggles. You're walking through issues. Well, there's no struggles and issues in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no COVID in heaven. There's no disease. There's no divorce. There's, none of those things exist in heaven. So if something in the natural is not the way that God has called it to be, then you just need to pray heaven down into your natural. You need to bring heaven down into earth. You need to recognize what is not of him. Call it out. Remove it, reboot it, reset it, do whatever you have to do, and bring heaven down into that situation. It's only when we know who he has called us to be that we can truly have great expectations for our lives. It's only when we know who he has called us to be that we can have truly great expectations for our lives. And you might be thinking, well, great expectations, it's, it's kind of like a luxury right now. You know, we, I'm just trying to make ends meet, trying to make it through, trying to stay healthy, trying to... to uh, keep my business alive because it's been shut down for so long, trying to rework things. Great expect- I don't have time for great expectations. I'm just trying to make it. I don't have time to dream. Well, great expectations is not just a luxury. It's a commandment. Let me show you. And in fact, great expectation is tied to the greatest commandment. The process of expectation is how you will fulfill the greatest commandment. let look at Mark 12, 28 to 30. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The greatest commandment. Before we look at the process of expectation, I want to I talk real quick about the process of action. So if you're going to do something, if you're going to make an action, the process of, of that is you think about it. I think about, I'm going to do this thing. And then maybe sometimes you'll say it, I'm going to go do this thing, or you tell somebody. Then you'll actually go do it. And then once it's done, you'll at some point believe, okay, this is finished. I've done the thing. So the process of an action is think, say, do, believe. Everybody got that? Think, say, do, believe. The process of expectation is different. The process of expectation is believe, say, think, do. Believe, say, think, do. You think, okay, well, maybe, all right, believe, I kind of understand that, right. You know, so expectation, I have a belief, I have a hope, okay, got that. Then believe, then say, before I think? That doesn't make sense. How do do I know what to say if I don't think about it? Interesting. And then do at the end, okay, I kind of get that. I understand what that means. But this is the order that God has set up, and from that scripture. So let's look at it. From the scripture, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Heart is the belief. You believe in your heart, and you believe through hearing. When you hear... Then, then something happens in your spirit. And I'm not just talking about hearing with your natural ears. I'm talking about hearing with your spirit. When you hear with your spirit, it creates a belief. That's the, that's the start of the process of expectation, that you do need to believe first. You do need to have that, that, that little voice inside your, inside your spirit that's leading you, that's calling you, that's saying this is the direction that you're going to head. Next with that, and with all your soul, soul is the next thing. Your soul is comprised of your will and your emotions. This is kind of like your your passion. It's what drives you, and it's actually the source of your speak. Your soul is the source of your speak, and I'll show you. Psalm 103.1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. His soul is is responding to the call of God. His soul is responding to the belief. His soul causes him to speak out. The soul is speaking. And also in Job 7.11, it says this, I cannot keep from speaking. I must express my anguish. My bitter soul must complain. Your belief about where you're at, whether it's, it's like David, where your soul is calling out blessing the Lord, or if it's like Job, because you're in a place where your soul is bitter and in anguish, you're going to speak from that place. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when your soul is embittered, you're going to speak bitterness. When your soul is full of joy, you're going to speak joy. So the process of expectation includes the belief in the heart and then speaking from where your soul wants to be. Because remember, this is expectation. This is looking forward. It's not about your current situation right now. It's about where you want your situation to be. When you're when you're having great expectations for your life, that you have to speak out of where you want your soul to be. You have to speak life into yourself. And the next thing, and this is pretty simple, and with all your mind. That's think. Believe, say, think with your mind. But the thing is that some people, especially in the church, they can skip over this think part. They just go from, hey, I have this belief, I had this faith, I'm going to speak it into existence, then I'm just going to go do like uh, Yeah, because we walk by faith, not by sight, and that's absolutely true, that we, that we should be relying on, on him, on his wisdom. Yes, but he puts, the, he puts the wisdom inside of us. He actually gave us a mind so that we can use it. Wisdom is a, is a gift of the Spirit, that he has provided wisdom, and he will provide it liberally to anyone who asks for it and seeks for it. So you do you should actually think about your expectations. yes, absolutely believe them and, and speak from that, so, that soul place where you are understanding where you're going to be, but then think about the process. Use wisdom, use good judgment, use insight, use counsel, get around other wise counsel. The Bible says that war is waged in a multitude of counselors, that you don't have to go out on your own and do battle by yourself, that you can actually use wisdom, you can use instruction, that you can get insight from other people around you. Test it against the word of God, for sure, that's wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Understand that what God wants for you is more important than what anybody else wants for you, even yourself, but then use that, use that wisdom. And the last one, and with all your strength. That's when you go out and do. That's when you put faith together with works. You know, because James says that my faith is dead unless it's, it's proved out by my works. But watch me in what I do. I'm going to prove my faith to you through my works. So the process of expectation from the greatest commandment is believe, say, think, do. So how do we engage in this process of expectation? Well, the start of it is in that scripture too. It starts, that verse says, hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That we need to start the process of expectation by hearing. And in Romans ten seventeen, it says, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And I think when I first read that scripture, I looked at that, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, and so, okay, I know what the Word of God is, right? This is, this is the Word of God. But then I looked up in, in the Greek what that word, word, means, and there's a couple of different words for the word, word, in the Greek. One of them is the Word of God, the logos. This is the written Word of God. The other word for word in the Greek is rhema, and in, 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 in this translation, it was "rematos." Rematos is the revealed word of God. It's, It's not the written word of God. It's not what God said. It's the rhema word is what God is saying. That he's speaking to you right now. Can you hear him in your heart? Are you listening for his revealed word? Are you listening for what he's saying to you right now? God didn't just write these words and that's it. He shut up for the rest of all history. No, he wrote these words, the logos, and that is his word, but he's also writing words in your heart right now. He's speaking to you right now. He's saying to you right now, these are the expectations that I have for you. These are the plans, the purposes that I have for you. This is the good things, the good visions, the good dreams, that i want you to walk into i have so much for you and i'm speaking it out i'm shouting it out are we listening are we listening to what he's saying right now and there's lots of different ways that you can listen. You can listen in church, absolutely. You can, you can listen through reading the word. When you open up the logos, you'll actually find that as you're reading the logos, you'll also start getting the rhema. That as you're reading what was written, what was said, that God will speak to you through his word, a now word, a new word. And that's why when you look at the Bible, you can read a passage of scripture and think I've read that a dozen times, but for some reason, this time, I'm seeing something different. This time, I'm re- God is revealing something to me that I never saw before, that I never heard before, that he wants to reveal things to you. Maybe it's through dreams. Maybe it's through visions. Maybe it's through uh, friends in your connect group, your small group at an awakened party. Maybe it's through a worship night. So many times when I've just been sitting there in worship, God will drop something into my spirit. And it's not even about the song. It's not about what's going on. It's not about what I'm going to speak or, or who's speaking. God will just give something directly to me in that moment of worship. Maybe it's a prophetic word. You know, in this church, we believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in prophetic words. We believe in the gift of prophecy. And just like I prayed over my friend Will today, God just dropped that into my spirit as a gift to give to him, that he wanted me to use that that prophetic word as an example for him. And watch this. A prophetic word word is actually meant to be self-fulfilling. And let me explain what that means. That, That if I speak that word over him, and he starts to believe it, he starts to recognize it, he starts to make changes in his life to to go after that thing, then that thing is going to come to pass. Because he he saw in his mind, or maybe he received in his spirit, that word. And and, and a prophetic word is like a target. Like, it's not just going to happen by itself. Wait a second, I thought you said it was self-fulfilling. Yes, it's self-fulfilling it doesn't happen on its own, that you gotta participate in that prophetic word. Now, if somebody gets you, gives you a word and, and you have a little bit of a check in your spirit, you're not sure, first test it against the word, test it against his word. If it doesn't line up with his word, then just you know file it away, put it in that bin for when you do the BSOD reset, it just goes on its own. But if it lines up with his, his word, even if it doesn't make sense to you right now, Just hide it in your heart. Hide it in your spirit, because maybe it's for an appointed time. Maybe it's going to, it's not for right now, but maybe it's coming. That when you're given a prophetic word, when you're given something like that, it's like a target to shoot for, and you decide if you're going to ready, aim, fire after that target. You decide. God's not going to force his word onto you, and in this church, we don't force the words onto you. We want to be diligent to God's direction and God's leading, and if he shares something for us, or to us, for you, then we want to deliver that word. We want to deliver those encouraging, those uplifting, those, those good targets to shoot for. And you'll find in this church on on almost every occasion we'd strive for every occasion that that the words that we deliver are going to be something positive it's going to be something encouraging it's going to be something that give that'll give you an uplifting target to shoot for because everybody knows the world does a great job of telling you how bad you are at something or what you can't do or what you're not allowed to do and all of those things so we don't actually believe in in propagating that like we actually want to give you good targets because the bible is filled with good things The Bible is filled with good words and that's just the logos. Imagine about the rhema. More than we can ask, think or imagine, God is pouring out his great expectations for you. And he'll do it a lot of times through other people. He'll show other people something that can help you. He'll bring other people alongside you to help you through that process to say, hey, I've got this great idea. I think God is speaking to you. How can I help you in it? What do you need me to do? Or, or, hey, you you might say, hey, I've got this, this dream in my head, but you need help. So God and find people there's, God has ordained people, business relationships, connections, people that are supposed to come alongside you to help you achieve that great expectation in the bible there 's dozens of messianic prophe- prophecies, maybe hundreds of messianic prophecies, which are, are things that were written down in the word that um, that would declare or would identify who Jesus Christ was going to be. What he would do, things he would say, where he would be, where he would be from, all of these prophecies in the Bible. When Jesus came onto the scene, all of these dozens or hundreds of prophecies had already been written. So you know what Jesus did? From from as soon as he could read and speak to 33 years old, he studied. Or 30 years old, he studied. He had three years of ministry, from 30 to 33, but for the first 30 years, he studied the Logos. He studied the Word of God. He looked at all of these prophecies about himself, and he realized, this is what I'm going to walk in. This is my future. This is what I'm going to accomplish. This is the impact that I'm going to have on this world. God is saying, Rhema way more than he said. God is speaking constantly. His spirit is speaking constantly. So when you're listening, you can actually hear what God is saying right now. You can hear what God is directing you to. You can listen and you can see the prophecies that he has for you, what you're going to fulfill, what you're going to accomplish, who you're going to be, the great expectations that he has for you. All of those things are there. And I have a little chart, actually, if we can throw it up about self-fulfilling prophecies. I just, I just did a Google and I found this, and, uh, and what it says in the chart is that there's, there's a belief that starts, and when you have that belief, it's, it influences your expectations, and the expectations influence your behavior, and the behavior will influence results, and that reinforces the beliefs. Does anybody remember what the process of expectation is? Believe, say, think, do. So we have believe right up there, and we have do right here. So expectations is in the middle. Expectations is the say and the think. We have the belief, expectations, great expectations for us, and then that influences the do. So the great expectations we have, what we have to recognize is that the expectation bridges the gap between believe and do. So what we say with our will and our emotions, out of our soul speaking, that influences how we think. So when we speak, it influences how we think. And then when we think with reason, we think with wisdom, that will determine the direction of our do. That will determine which gap are we bridging? How are we going from belief to do? It's through the process of great expectations. It's through the process of saying, from our soul, where we want to be, not where we are. It's the process of thinking through the will of God, through the word of God, with insight, with wisdom from above, with people around us who love us, who want the best for us, who want to lead us in his will, not just our own will. And what we have to remember as we close is that if, is that if we want great expectations, we can't do it alone. 1 Peter 1, 1.3 says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. We live, or we can live, with great expectation because of what Jesus Christ did. So who's ready for a hard reset on 2020? Who's ready to recognize this BSOD and reboot it it's time to make all things new. Every area of our life, every aspect of our life. There's plenty of things in our life that we can't get rid of, that we shouldn't get rid of, that we should seek to optimize. Our marriage, our kids, our church. We don't just, we don't just throw everything out because of this craziness that's happening. We recognize what needs to be tweaked, what needs to be improved, what needs to be optimized, what we need to get rid of, absolutely, what we need to move past, and what we need to walk into, the great expectations that God has for us. So I want, to pray with, I want to pray with everyone today about the great expectations that he has for you. Can we all stand to our feet right now as we close? I want to pray with you. I know that God has got great expectations for you, but my question for you today is what are your great expectations for yourself? Go through the process of expectation. Believe, say, think, do. Line it up with the word of God and you'll be walking in the will of God. Before I do that, I wanna pray for anyone here today. And it says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. If you're not walking with Christ right now, if you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, That is the first step. That is the beginning of the process of expectations. Having great expectations for your life means that you have to partner with the King of Kings. You have to partner with the Lord of Lords. You have to release your life to him so that he can give you great expectations. When you give your life to God, when you submit it before Jesus, he'll take it, he'll remove all those things that don't need to be there or he'll show you how to do that and then he'll set you up with great expectations for your future. So if you want to have a real reboot over your life, if you want to have a real optimized life in the future, then what you do when you reset, and this is the most important thing, is you got to put your life in his hands. you got to give your life to Jesus. So right now, with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if there's anybody who's never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you today. I want to give you the opportunity to have that great expectations for your life, to do the hard reset, and to start a new life in him. You're walking new. You're walking free. You're walking with his expectations for your life, not just your own. So if there's anybody like that today, maybe, maybe you did give your life at one point, but you felt yourself drifting away from his perfect will for your life. You feel like you're not, you're not walking the path that he's called you to walk, and you want to reconnect. You want to reset with him. So those two types of people, if you've never given your life to Christ, or you did, and at one point you felt yourself drifted away, I'd love to pray with you. I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna pull you down to the front right now, but I'd love to pray with you. So if there's anybody like that today, would you just lift up your hand real quick? Every head bow, every eye closed. I'd love to pray with you to help you reconnect. See that hand, God bless you. Anybody else today? You know you need to reconnect with your Savior. See that hand, God bless you, thank you. See that hand, God bless you. So good. Anybody, you're giving your life to Jesus for the first time, you say, I want his great expectations for my life. Anybody else? Just gonna wait one more moment. I don't want anybody to miss out on his great expectations for you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's pray this prayer. Everyone here today, especially those of you who raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Heavenly Father. Come on, everybody here today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your great expectations for my life. Right now, I give my life to you. I claim that you are my heavenly Father, that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. I repent of my sins, and I claim that you are Lord of my life. Today I receive that gift of salvation and all of the great expectations that come with it. In Jesus' name.